0: Very hearts, and you deal with us there. Thank you, Lord, that your truth is evident in all things around us, all things in us. And as we gather here this morning, we pray that your truth would indeed become evident and that your word would have power. Thank you, Lord, for this time of year. As we begin to lean into Easter, and thank you that we can be reminded of your great sacrifice and what it means for each and every one of us today. We thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and we ask, Amen. Thank you, Father. Wonderful. Nice to have you here this morning. Everybody okay? You guys doing all right? Yeah? 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 You know? Um, Spring is coming. Okay? Summer is coming. All right. How many of you like a good laugh? You guys? You guys? Yeah. You you know, don't don't you appreciate when somebody can really make you laugh and and enjoy that? You know? I was having dinner with a really good friend... um, uh, a week and a half ago, and we were talking about comedians, and we were talking about people that can make us laugh, and, and, and individuals like, like that. And and, and and I didn't even know, you know what, I didn't even know we had a radio station in London that's all comedy. Did you know that? Yeah, it's your second favorite radio station. Yeah, I only, I only now just, just, I'm like, where, where's it been all my life? Anyway, um, because... Um, you know, I, I like a good laugh, like like most people. But this friend of mine started telling me about this comedian, and he said you got to go and check out this comedian. And I said, okay, I'm going to do that. Um, oh, he said, you know, he, he says he's he's a little politically incorrect, okay, but you're going to enjoy him. So um, I got onto YouTube, and I listened to the one particular skit that my friend told me about, and I said, you know, and I, and and I it was it was funny. Um, but you know, on YouTube, when on the side, and you see other. Um, films or other little videos and once had the word religion in it so I thought I'm going to check this particular YouTube out so I played that one and boy was I surprised it was unbelievable this this comedian the minute he went from this particular topic (laughs) to the topic of religion just took an incredible uh, detour, and I was really—I I, I have to admit—I was really bothered. Um, it was one of those. Like I like a good laugh. I—I I, I think it's good for us to be able to laugh at ourselves and 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 all of this stuff. But but I have to admit, I was—I was really bothered at the tone and how offensive it was, and and how derogatory it was, and all of that. But you know, as bad as the comedian was, you know what? was even more disturbing to me, was the audience. That was more disturbing to me. Because, you know, I, and in fact, I even went back and played a few other videos, and, and the amount of laughs that he got when it was a particular topic um, wasn't as dramatic, or the hooting and hollering wasn't as dramatic as when he got onto the topic of religion which really said a lot to me. And so, you know, I, I texted my friend and I said, um, you know, by the way, guy's really funny. Thanks for the comedian. But, but I was really bothered by his religious stuff. And this is what my friend texted back to me. Um, and I asked him if I could actually read this. And he said, sure. He says, I agree, John. His religious stuff is foolishly illiterate as is so much of the comedic material that involves religion. I park that stuff into the he's after an easy laugh category since it seems that most Americanadians, I like that word, eh? Canadians have become militantly secular and atheistic. And the moment you joke at the expense of the religious, the militants hoot and holler. I'm glad you had a few chuckles anyway. I thought that was so, so insightful. You know, so I thought to myself, you know, as, as we're coming into Easter, I thought it'd be, it'd be, it'd be really good because to look at the cross, to look at the centrality of the Christian faith, to look at the, the, the very thing that when it comes to this whole thing that we call religion, this whole thing that we call Christianity, that we look at the most important and the central feature of it all. Because when we boil it all down, when we boil it down to the, the moral and ethical and, and all, all the theologies, it, it comes down to this last week, of Jesus' life when we talk about the Christian faith. And should we care about it? Should we care about it? Is it important? Is it? You know, if, if this last... You know, the, do you realize that the four gospel writers spent half, at least half of their material, if not more, on just the last week of Jesus? That with all the teachings, all the parables, all the healings, all, all of the stuff that Jesus did in his short life... The the writers of the Gospels spent more than half of their material on just the last week of Jesus. So this is really important. And if this week is so important... How, how should we as a church, how should we as individuals treat this material and treat this, this, this last week of Jesus? Because if this is that important, what difference would it make in your life? What difference should it make in the life of everybody around you? What difference should it make in, in the life of our church if it's that important? And yet, there's there's this culture, there's this there's this whatever world when it comes to this thing about about faith, and when it comes to the life of Jesus, can we can we come to an agreement here this, this morning as we start this series? Can we come to an agreement that? That if we're honest with ourselves, you know, if the situation is right, if the circumstances are right, if, you know, if, the, if, if the, the, the things in our life line up in a particular way, we have the capacity and we have the potential to do harm to another person. Can, can we agree to that? Can we, can we at the very least agree, agree to that? That when it comes to the right circumstances of our lives, we're brutally honest with ourselves, we can do harm to another person. In fact, if we're brutally honest even further, we can do a lot of harm even to our own selves. Okay? That if we're brutally honest with ourselves, that there is a dark place in each and every one of us. Is there not? If we come to that that, that realization. And, and it's coming to that realization that that, that, that essentially the issues of of life come down to, if I can say it that way. You know, what we're, you know, when we look at the cross, when we look at the sacrifice of Jesus, when we look at this, this, um, this message of the gospel, of redemption, of healing, of forgiveness, of all of that stuff, it comes down to who we are willing to say we are before a holy God. Because that's what, it boils, that's what it boils down to and, and the difference that it, it can make in our lives. So if we can, if we can come to that point a, of, of agreement this morning, then we have to come and say, you know, at some level of our lives, we need to accept the fact that we need forgiveness. That, that we need forgiveness not only from those around us. You know, they're, they're, you know for, for some of you here this morning, you're probably waiting for, to be forgiven from somebody, to somebody else, right? You're probably waiting to be forgiven or, or you long to be forgiven, uh, through, you know, with, with a relationship that you currently have in your life. You, some of you here this morning are probably waiting to forgive yourselves about something that has happened in your life. And, 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 and it's probably harder, if, if, if we're honest, to, it's probably harder to forgive ourselves, isn't it? More than, more than any other degree of forgiveness. So, as as we start this series, um, I'm hoping uh, at the end of it all that that you're going to say, yeah, you know, it is important that we care about the cross. It's important that we care about how this gets communicated to the culture because it is the most important thing that you'll have to wrestle with in your entire life because the cross uh, is something that that loomed over the entire life of Jesus with all the miracles, all the healings, all the teaching, that the shadow of the cross loomed over the entire life of Jesus because the, the mission of Jesus, the path of Jesus, the journey that he took, the reason he came to earth is, culminates in, in the cross You know, all the issues of life, no matter what they are for you, um, no matter what they are for your family, everything comes, you know, the crossroads that you eventually hit in your life is a crossroads that comes at the cross, at the foot of the cross of Jesus. And that's where you wrestle with every big question, every big answer in your life, every big trajectory that you're going to find yourself getting to is going to be is going to be answered at the cross. And it's going to make the difference for you whether, whether you spend eternity with God or not. It's going to make all the difference in the world in how you view death. It's going to be the difference in the world and how you, how you view the purpose of life. Everything comes to fruition at the, fo- at the foot of the cross. And as a Christian church, we need to wrestle with its importance because we can get so caught up in doing all this other stuff. And yet at the cross is where everything comes literally to a head. So, you know, with that introduction, let let me dive into uh, the passage out of Luke that we're going to be looking at for the next um, number of of weeks. We're going to kind of like keep going through this particular passage. And if you know anything, Jesus has had his uh, trial. Here we are at the actual crucifixion. And this is what Luke writes in particular at this passage Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. Now, if you know anything about this particular passage, that last sentence that says that there's an actual sign above that Pilate had put there saying this is the king of the Jews, it was more for sarcasm and it was more as a sting to the Jewish people to have that particular sign put up. Is it it fair to say that this scene is not a scene that's very conducive to the act of forgiveness. Just think that in 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 it's all its brutality all its all its shame which which being crucified was meant to humiliate and to shame you and to demonstrate to everybody that you were in the wrong that you were being judged, that you were being punished, that you would be laid bare in front of everyone who would possibly want to view this crucifixion and to show that you deserve the punishment that you were getting. It's not exactly the most conducive environment for Jesus to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. I I can't imagine Jesus as the Son of God being judged by his very creation, willing to be crucified, and in the moment of the humiliation and shame that came to it would want to forgive, and would ask the Father to forgive. I don't know about you, but that's that's a model of forgiveness that many of us wrestle with. You know, forgiveness is such a difficult thing to do, humanly speaking. Can we, you know, can we talk about you know forgiveness on a horizontal level? You know, we we you know if there's one if there's one um, you know um, act in 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 life as human beings it, the, the most difficult I find is to forgive another person that is that is such a difficult you know, thing to navigate, that we have so many reasons, we have so many justifications, it hurts to, to forgive, you know, because, because there's a part of ourselves that when we say we're going to forgive that person, we almost let them, let them get away with whatever it is that they've done wrong to us. You know, that, you know that, that, that is just human nature. That is just part of what we are and how we're wired together. And yet to think that, you know, uh, it's so difficult for us on a horizontal level, but to, but to think on the vertical level when it comes with God and us, that this willingness to forgive at a time where everything humanly possible would say, why would you want to forgive? And what really strikes me, too, is that Jesus, as the Son of God, could have come down off the cross, could have changed the scenario, could have changed the circumstances, could have, you know, called down, you know, legions of angels, everything that, that we would love to have the opportunity or the ability or the power to be able to do in the midst of the worst circumstances possible, and yet Jesus willingly suffers, dies which is bad enough, but then asks for forgiveness. You know, I uh, came across a story. Um, Michael uh, Paternity, I think is his name, and, and he was writing a story about um, going back to his ancestor's village in Sicily, and he said that while he was living, while he was staying in this uh, little town in Sicily, he noticed that every day this elderly woman would walk up this, this uh, long road and in, in, in an incline to the local cemetery. Every day she would make this trek. And, um, and uh, it was, he realized um, that she did this every day, but it took her six hours to go to the cemetery and to walk back. Every day she made this walk, six hours. So, uh, the, you know, paternity decided to ask the neighbors, hey, you know, I, I noticed this elderly woman walking every day up to the cemetery, so it must be some long-lost love, maybe a child, maybe, you know, because what, you know, what, what love, you know, did she have to make this trek each and every day, and one of the one of the townsfolk said to him, "No, no, you, you have it, you have it all wrong. You have it all wrong." She has what's called a stilio, and I, and I said, "What's that?" And he goes, um, "I got to get the exact word. Oh, it, in in Italian, it means bitter hatred." And he goes, "What are you talking about?" Well, she doesn't make the trek there for the love of something that she's lost. She makes that six-hour trek every day to spit on the grave of her enemy. And I went, went, what? Every day, six-hour trek to spit on the grave of her enemy? Yeah. Can you imagine having that much hatred for someone? Forgiveness, is it hard? Forgiveness, is it hard? You know, um, forgiveness at the cross, there are some barriers, you know, that for some of us here this morning. And I, I want to I I give us three things that happen in our culture that make forgiveness really difficult. And and forgiveness not just with each other, but forgiveness as, as being accepted by God. Um, and and a forgiveness that we need that when we come before God to recognize who we are and who he is. And the first one is this, you know, we live in a culture that says we're just people who make mistakes. We're, we're, it's either we're a, we're a person who mistakes as opposed to being sinners. You know, Christianity teaches that we are essentially sinners, that, that we are not people who just sin, that, that at the core, you know, we, we, we said earlier, um, we asked earlier in, in the message, um, do you admit that there's a really dark part of, of you? Okay? That is you know, the sin nature, the sin part of us. But we live in a culture that says, no, you're just a mistaker. You're just a person who makes a mistake. Um, you know, you just you're just people who make who who make mistakes. So you're not at the core a bad person. You're not at the core a sinner. You're not at the core a person who needs to be redeemed or needs to be um, you know uh, healed or, or forgiven or anything like that. Right? That's that's the difference. And if you're just a mistaker, if you're just a person um, who, you know, is 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 born okay, and the world just makes you a bad place. That's a whole different, you know, thing to deal with, right? You know, um, uh, listen, I, I, I get it. We've got a lot of young babies in here, and it's hard to imagine for a second that a young child can be a sinner, right? For, right for, you know, you know I've got a six-month, a seven-month-old grandson that is just perfect. <laughs> there, I said it out loud. He's perfect, amen, right? But I have to believe that he's a sinner and, and needs the grace of, of God, that we're just not people who make mistakes, that, that, that inside of us there's something, there's something. And, and the difficulty is, is when we think we're, we're just mistakers, we're just, we're just living at a horizontal level, right? But the reality is, is God is holy. God is perfect. God has a standard that we can't attain and, 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 and match. And the fact is that before a holy, righteous God, we are sinners, all right? The second part of it is this is because we think we're mistakers, all we think we can do is we can fix it ourselves. We think we can we can correct the problem. We can just get a self-help book, or we can just start eating differently, or we can start, you know, whatever it is, as opposed to needing a Savior. Um, we say to ourselves, you know, I, I, if I work hard enough, if I, if I if, you know... <laughs> If, if I stop doing this, if I start doing this, if I no longer get involved in that situation, I can I can fix it myself. You see if you 're just a mistaker, if you 're just a person that makes mistakes, then eventually, if we get in the right environment, the right situation, we can just, we can just fix it, we can correct the problem, whatever it is but But the Bible teaches that we are sinners in need of a savior. Right? That we need to be redeemed. That we can't fix it ourselves. That there's something functionally wrong with us. How many of us have ever tried to fix something and found that it doesn't work, honestly? Honestly. You know, honestly. I, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I think that's an incredible uh, release. If I can say that emotionally. Okay. <laughs> when when you say, you know what, I can't fix this any anymore. Right. Here's here's a third. Here's a third. You know, there's a, We live in a culture that if we're, we're enlightened enough, that, that God is in us, or um, you know, we don't need salvation. We just need to elevate ourselves to a higher, um, you know, consciousness. That we just need to understand or become more self-aware, or all, all those kinds of things. And we don't need salvation. But but Jesus went to the cross to achieve for us what we could not achieve for ourselves, to die for us and to heal us and to allow us to be forgiven and to have the opportunity to be made right with God. Fully aware of what we are as a people. You know, Jesus, you know, Jesus said, you know, I am the bread of life. I, you know, I, I, I love the number of passages in the Gospel of John. And we've got a sermon series coming, um, you know, in, in, in a couple of months, I believe, where we're going to look at the seven I am statements in, in the Gospel of John, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. You know, and, and, and why he said those particular things. But, but imagine for a second, Jesus said that he was, the light of the, he, was the, he was the bread of life. Okay, now why would Jesus say something like that? You know, because Jesus is appealing to people who are hungry for something more. Now, when you're hungry, it, you know, what good is it to look at the bread? What good is it to just touch the bread? What good is it to read the instructions and read the ingredients of the bread? You know, what, what, what good is to, to look at the, the shelves to see all the, all the different types of bread? What good is it? But the bread is not any good until you actually take it and eat it and taste it and experience it, right? That's the only way that you satisfy the hunger. And that's what Jesus is getting at when he talks about this whole business of forgiveness. But there is deep inside each and every one of us the need to be forgiven, not just by other people, but by God himself, Because we know that deep down inside there's a place in our heart where we've done wrong. And there's nothing inside of us that will quench that forgiveness that we can do on our own other than the forgiveness that comes from God, other than the forgiveness that comes through Christ, other than the forgiveness that when we come before God and we pray and we ask for forgiveness. That because of what Christ achieved on the cross. In the worst times. and the worst circumstances. To ask for forgiveness. Of the very people that were killing him. Imagine the forgiveness. That is open and available to you. I want to end with a little illustration that I got from Max Licato he talks about being dropped by his insurance company now how many of you know who Max Licato is? right? okay I, th- I think you're going to get a kick out of this hopefully you'll get a kick out of this he got dropped by his insurance company because he had one too many speeding tickets <laughs> yeah and a minor fender bender that wasn't his fault. Yeah, right. Um, but that's Max Lucado, um admitting that he had all these speeding tickets. So one day he received a letter in the mail informing him to seek coverage elsewhere. As he, as, as he reflected on how he wasn't good enough for his insurance company, the spiritual tie-in was too obvious. Many people fear receiving a letter from God, some worry they already have. So Lucado imagined what the correspondence would be straight from heaven. Here's Here's how he writes the letter. Dear Mrs. Smith, I'm writing in response to this morning's request for forgiveness. I'm sorry to inform you that you have reached your quota of sins. Our records show that, since employing our services, you have erred seven times in the area of greed and your prayer life is substandard when compared to others of like age and circumstance. Further review reveals that your understanding of doctrine is in the lower 20 percentile and you have excessive tendencies to gossip. Because of your sins... You are a high risk candidate for heaven. You understand that grace has its limits. Jesus sends his regrets and kindest regards and hopes that you will find some other form of coverage. (laughs) This is how it goes for a slave who consistently lives in fear, not knowing enough, not doing enough, not ever measuring. Up. Isn't that funny? But isn't that how we feel when it comes to God and forgiveness and redemption and healing that we think we've crossed the line? Should I care? Should you care? Is the forgiveness of Jesus at the cross enough? For you. If you're a believer here this morning, let me encourage you to live in light of the forgiveness of the cross and allow your life to be emulated by the grace that Jesus has poured into your life How many of us forget to live as people who have been forgiven? And yet, how many of us live as if we're waiting for the impending judgment to come? That we have been healed, that we have been redeemed, that we have been forgiven. That at the cross, Jesus has transformed who we are as sinners into the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, that's the power of the cross. The power of the cross is not in focusing on the fact that we are sinners. The power of the cross is allowing us to focus on the fact that we are now forgiven and redeemed and whole and children of God and new creations and living in grace and can convey that grace to others who don't know that there is a forgiveness available to them because of what Jesus asked the father at the cross you know I can't I I personally can't imagine a greater message and a greater reason for any of us to care than that amen let's pray father thank you for the cross of Christ and the availability of forgiveness that is given to each and every one of us because of Jesus' great sacrifice on the cross. And Lord, if it's as important as